Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, and radio network. What do we have in store for you on this edition of the show? A little March madness mayhem. It's not as crazy as people are making it out to be. Yeah, you had some big upsets, but I'm going to show you how the aggregate is consistent with almost any other year, especially now that the Sweet 16 is settled. So we're going to look at that. Also, you know, conference by conference, just like bowl games aren't an indication of how good your conference is. It's all about matchups. The NCAA tournament's one of these things where if you have success in it as a conference, people will point about how star-spangled awesome your conference is. Well, right now, whose star is shining the brightest? Now, look, we have, what, five mid-majors out of the Sweet 16? That's about where we are normally. Going to look at that. Also, two coaches that a little heat in their seat why it's not time to overreact or panic yet but it is getting warm it is getting warm getting a little toasty and also the world baseball classic claims another this thing i i want to care about it it's hard to believe but this is the what 17th year that this has existed now i know it's on a rotational basis not every year but this thing's been around for two decades and it works as angry and as upset as people are. It works. It just doesn't work for the United States. Yeah. So we're going to look at that as well. Again, Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram, Harp on Sports Facebook page, Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel, auditory route. You want to listen to us. Harp on Sports, the bar, and of course, Bud Sprout. You can check us out at harponsports.com. All right, the NCAA tournament. We're down to 16. And what do we know about those 16? You know, just like almost every other year, about 75% of the teams fall on those top five seeding lines. Now, when you get to this point, I don't think there's that much of a difference between a five or a four when you get to the Sweet 16. But I went through and looked at her here. What do we have? We have two ones. Two twos, three threes, two fours, two fives. 11 of your 16. 11 of your 16 are from those top seeding ranks. So again, it's the aggregate, about 75% of the tournament, not necessarily chalk, but about three quarters. That's why this thing works. The NCAA tournament works. Why does it work? Because it's the illusion that these small guys are everywhere and winning constantly and they're not. We just make more of a big deal out of it. We just we just do. We make more of a big deal out of it. Think about the teams that have advanced that we haven't made a big Texas advances. Xavier advances. Eh. Fairleigh Dickinson wins one game. Everybody loses their mind. Arkansas wins. They knock off top-seeded Kansas. Everybody goes crazy. Tennessee's right where they should be, aren't they? They're a four-seed. They're in the Sweet 16. They're five-seed right there. So... Uh, again, it, it's one of these things that as you watch this and as you consume it, I'll pop my ear there for a second. Everybody loses their mind about all the upsets. It's chaos. This thing's wide open. 75, almost 75%, three quarters of the team should be where they are. 
Now, I know there's no Duke. We knew there was going to be no North Carolina. There's no Kansas. There's no Kentucky. Okay. There's a UCLA. There is. And I went through and looked at this. And it's not the perfect blue blood bracket, but you could have an Alabama, Michigan State, Xavier, UCLA when it's all said and done. Is it perfect? No. I mean, the one year we got what? Carolina, Kansas, UCLA, and Memphis? The 15 years ago? And there are years that we had Villanova, North Carolina, Gonzaga. Yeah, you've gotten those big boys in there. You have. You've gotten those big boys in there. But it's also... You know, it's not heinous. Your heinous options are what? Princeton, FAU, Miami, Arkansas. That would be your nightmare. Looking at best case scenario, it'd be Alabama, Michigan State, Xavier, and UCLA. That's your best case scenario at this point. It is. And that would be pretty solid. That would be pretty good. Now, your chances of getting Princeton, FAU, Miami, and Arkansas aren't. Miami's a good basketball team. It's just what type of draw are they going to be at this point? So again, you know, I, I your highest seeding that's available to everybody is what at this point? Alabama as a one. We mentioned Xavier sitting there as a three could be in this thing. UCLA is a two. So again, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what the aggregate is when you add up the final four teams. Usually it's right around 10. Sometimes it gets bigger than that. You know, you had Butler in there one year as an eight. You had what? George Mason one year in there as an 11. You had UConn as a five. Kentucky is a two or whatever. I was trying to think a decade ago, right? Close to a decade ago. So I look at all these and how all these things lay themselves out in this perfect vacuum. And again, it, it's, yeah, there've been some upsets. Purdue getting knocked off was gigantic. But the way this lays itself out right now, if it ends up being Michigan State over Purdue, Michigan State, you know, we look at Michigan State, we look at Sparty, and you may sit there and say, well, you know, it's a one as opposed to a seven. Uh, Michigan State's a bigger draw than Purdue in the final four. Which leads me to my next point. I, you know, the, this is why the NCAA tournament works. It gives every, somebody everything that they want. The favorites get through 25% of the time. The little guy peeks its head around the corner and what in, in the sweet 16, you've got yourself. What you've got yourself, Princeton, you've got yourself FAU, those little guys that everybody's going to root for. You got Creighton, although Creighton was a top 25 team all year. You've got those type of teams that everybody's like, yes, look at these. We got our little guys. Well, okay. I mean, your eight seeds, you got Arkansas in there. I, I mean, how big of a how big of a shocker are some of these teams, conference wise? You know, the SEC. I mean, Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama. Ten- Tennessee was of the top five seeds. Everybody thought they were the most vulnerable. And they they make their way through. Alabama's look strong. Alabama's the one team in the tournament. If they play to their potential, they're going to win it. They're the only team that's like that. If Alabama plays to their potential and Xavier plays to their potential and you start UCLA plays to their potential, Alabama wins it. Now, will they have their hands full with San Diego State? Yeah, they will. Should they win this thing? Yeah, they should. Alabama should go to the Final Four, especially with all the other chaos. That when, you, <laughs> when you have Princeton down there, Princeton and Creighton, the fact that one of those teams is going to be in the Elite Eight is pretty cool. 
Princeton and Alabama, that, that'll be, it, it'll be fascinating if that, if we get that. So again, it, it, the tournament's giving everybody what they wanted. You get enough upsets, but it's all, when it's all said and done, you could have a number one versus what? A one versus a four and a three versus a, or you have a one versus a four and a three and, and a one versus a two. You could have one, four, one, two. If Houston, everybody forgets about Houston. I even forgot about him talking about this. You could have Houston, UCLA, which is a one, two, and then a one with Alabama, right? And then Tennessee. Well, I'd get everybody all fired up, right? Two SEC teams in the final four in basketball. Big 12 had a great year. Kansas took it on the chin. Baylor, you know, faded away. And over the weekend, the Big 12, look, it's a solid conference. I mean, it's a bad conference. His team started to get picked off. Matchups, matchups, matchups. Now, Kansas State punches through. Still a good conference. Just didn't do well in the tournament. I mean, it's a bad year. So, there you go. Uh, Coaching-wise, I thought these things were just interesting for in terms of discussion that, you know, Matt Painter, he's <laughs> the last three years they've lost to, what, a 14, a 15, and a 16? That's, that's saying something. 14, 15, 16 in the first round. That, that, oh boy. He's a good basketball coach. He's a very good basketball coach. But you can't afford another one of those. You can't. You just, if you're Matt Painter, if you end up being a four seed and you lose to a 13, or you end up being a five seed and you lose to a 12, I, I don't know if you survive another one. I don't. And I went through and looked and tried to give a little bit of a comparison for somebody else, and that's John Calipari. And, you know... Sometimes you look around and you've had success. And I, I know, you know, Purdue entered that stretch there for a while that they just, you know, when Matt Painter's been there, it's hard to believe he's been there, what, now 16, 17 years? Close to it. Took over for Gene Cady, and, he, and he's been there ever since. I, and I know that he's you know, won Big Ten titles. He just haven't, hasn't had success in the tournament. Now, I, I turn back the clock to 2019. Purdue went to the Elite Eight, lost to Virginia. What do you know? Another team that gets snake bitten in the first round. So they lose to Virginia in the in overtime. It was a great game. Virginia hits a big shot to force overtime. Purdue, uh, Virginia goes on to win the national championship. That year, Kentucky also went to the Sweet 16 with John Calipari. Since then, Purdue hasn't won a tournament game. And Kentucky's won one. Now, COVID wiped out 2019. I get it. Or 2020, excuse me. COVID wiped out 2020. But that's three tournaments now. Kentucky's what done what this year? One and one, but one in three Kentucky's one and three in the last three tournaments. Purdue is zero and three. So Kentucky and Purdue are combined one and six. The last three tournaments. And that's one and six is when you are good seats. Purdue's been a, Three, a two, and a one. They've gotten better, but still have gotten bounced. Kentucky got bounced as a two, right? A six, they weren't They weren't supposed to beat Kansas State. I know they're favored, but seeding-wise, Kansas State's a better basketball team this year. That'll be interesting to see what happens with Calipari as well. He did win a game this year. If he'd have gotten bounced in the first round this year, now there's more pressure on Calipari than Painter. But these are two guys also, if they lose their job, they'd be hired tomorrow. How long would it take Notre Dame to hire Matt Painter or John Calipari? How long would it take Georgetown to hire John Calipari or Matt Painter? Two seconds. 
But these are instances where, okay, you didn't work out here, but we'll take you here. You retreads the harsh word, but there are coaches that aren't successful or successful one place and they go someplace else. And okay. Not working out in here more. Got to go somewhere else. Look at Rick Barnes. Look at Rick Barnes at 10. Rick Barnes was a decent coach at Clemson. Went to Texas, was was good at Texas, just couldn't win a championship. And he goes to Tennessee, and the, people are complaining about, oh, I don't know if Barnes is good. Time to get rid of him. I don't know if he's good enough. He can't take us to the next level. Okay, got your Sweet 16 again. What do, what do you want him to do? And I bring up a guy going into this year's tournament. I wrote it down. He was 6-6 six and six his last 12 NCAA tournament games. Going into this year's tournament. This year he's 2-0. It's Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo was six and six in his last 12 NCAA tournament games. Six and six. One final four had gotten bounced since 2015. I'll only go to one final four, right? Since 2015, one final four. And he was six and six in his last 12 NCAA tournament games. Now, Tom Izzo wins a couple games this year. Mr. March. Oh, we're back to that, huh? It's amazing how one year can fix everything. Rick Barnes is one of those examples at Tennessee. Prime for an upset in the first round. I bet him to get beat. They looked terrible. They looked awful the last three, four weeks of the year. They get in the tournament, they flip a switch. They suffocate Duke. And all of a sudden, they're sitting there licking their chops, aren't they? They find themselves in a position. They do a little damage here. Tennessee go to the Final Four? Are they the favorite in that bracket now? I mean, if Tennessee plays Michigan State, who are you picking? You know, Tom Izzo and, and Rick Barnes aren't strangers. I mean, they hooked up in a great game with Michigan State in Texas one year in the Elite Eight. They met in the tournament before. I just think these things start to lay themselves out as fascinating angles. But Rick Barnes was a guy that going into this year's tournament, like, oh, my God. Tom Izzo, Mr. March again. Well, interesting. He was 6-6 six and six in his last 12 tournament games. It's amazing how quickly this works. Look, Purdue next year with Matt Painter could come out and go to the Final Four. Would it surprise me? Not really. He's a good basketball coach. So, again, in, in you, what you don't want, you start pushing coaches out, and that's just that you have a coach that's good that you know that can win it. Virginia could have panicked and fired Tony Bennett, right? They could have. But they win a national championship. Now they lose lose a couple in the first round. It's like, oh, what do we But you've won a championship. If he doesn't win that championship, who knows? But there's coaches that have struggled, that struggled, that struggled, that struggled. Bill Self struggled forever, you know, wins a title, struggles four or five, that struggles. He gets bounced early, a couple years there at Kansas, wins a championship, struggles again for about five or six years. Like, oh, what do we do? Then he wins another title, and now he, you know, has a little bit of an illness. But, so I, I'm interested to see, it. again, I think it's more, they know Calipari, what, $60 million, something like that, and who are you going to replace him with? That's the other thing, dude. We're going to get rid of John Calipari and hire who? Well, a lot of people want to. Well, find me somebody that you think is going to come in there and flip that around and be successful. And everybody loves the hot flash in the pan. Hire the coach from Princeton. Oh, okay. All right. Who are going to hire? Tough to be successful. It is. Tough to, it's tough to be up there and tough to be good. Even like you, if I sat there and told you, do you think Tom Izzo has been successful the last 15 years? You'd say yes. Played in a couple national championship games, hasn't won them. You'd say yes, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, okay. Now, look, I, I I mean, could you, if you're Kentucky, shove Calipari out and offer the world to Jay Wright? Yeah. 
pay him 10, 12 million a year. I guess you could do that. But there you go. All right, little NCAA tournament. Heavy on the NCAA tournament? It should be because that, that, that's the big story right now. Something else that's taking place, the World Baseball Classic. And this is one of these things that other countries, Cuba, I mean, I don't know if Canada, you know, you had Great Britain in there. But it's one of these things that Americans, we love telling everybody how awesome America is, how much we love America. Then we don't support our teams. Not like other countries. There's national pride when it comes to the national team. Well, we care more about our pro sports. Yes, because in England and Spain, they don't care about Real Madrid or Manchester United. Knock it off. They care about their teams too. And for a country that walks around with the American flag, rubbing it in everybody's face as much as possible, you'd think that we'd support our national teams, but we just don't. We don't. Openly rooting against American athletes in the last Olympics. Rooting against Team USA basketball. Yeah. Rooting against them. Which I just, I don't get. Now, look, if Team USA loses to a different country or to a different team, I, you'd think that as much as we walk around talking about how much we how great we are and how the rest of the world sucks and how America's the greatest country in the world, you'd think you'd support Team USA more, but people just don't. Which leads to this, because people, I, I, I see this, where oh, we've got to get rid of the World Baseball Classic. Nobody cares. No, you don't care. Americans don't care. The, Cuba loves it. Mexico... <laughs> You don't think they enjoyed beating our brains in? Now, look, there are some things in here, I guess, that that, that I get. I, Edwin Diaz, Jose Altuve, yeah, these injuries, I get it. I get it. And the World Baseball Classic is a little bit like preseason NFL. You could say you could avoid it. Yeah, you could. And Altuve is going to be out now. He's going to miss a month. Do you think when he's healthy in August, anybody's going to care? Now, Edwin Diaz matters. You bet. And then you had stories like Mookie Betts telling, you know, his manager, who cares? Let, let us play no matter how, how banged up everybody is. We got to win this. We got to win this. And, you know, major league franchises that have doled out three, four hundred million dollars in guaranteed contracts are just white knuckling their steering wheel thinking about it. Again, am I a gigantic fan of the World Baseball Classic? No, I've, I've, I've watched probably... Mm. especially with the NCAA tournament, I probably watched 16 to 18 innings of it. Team USA in both instances. It's just not our thing. We love telling everybody how great we are. We just don't enjoy supporting our national teams. Now, we do a little bit when it comes to women's soccer, but even we, people turned on them too. We just don't support them. Not like other countries. Right to tell everybody how great we are, but just don't consume it. Don't. So, uh, again, they've got to get rid of the World Baseball Classic. Other countries love it just because our country doesn't. You want It's funny you want to get rid of these sports in the Olympics. Why? This happens too, right? Like, let's get rid of this sport in the Olympics. Why? Remember, we got rid of softball and baseball in the Olympics. Other countries love it. We, eh. This has happened. It's a shame. Now I know it's come back in the last the last go around. You know we added golf to the Olympics, and then there's a hang up on golf, and now golf's in the Olympics. How big of a deal? I think golf's perfect for the Olympics. Perfect. 
So the World Baseball Classic needs to go away. I, Americans just don't have pride for Team USA. Just don't. Harpon Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harpon Sports, Twitter at Harpon Sports, Instagram. Of course, Harpon Sports, Auditory Route, Buzzsprout, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Harpon Sports, the YouTube channel, Harpon Sports, the Facebook page, and of course, HarponSports.com. Remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein, have fun with your friends.